What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stand Up to Sitting podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And wow, before we get into today's show, I want to shout out our sponsor. I am so grateful to partner with Kai's Energy Bars. Kai's are these all natural, only four to six ingredients in each bar. And they're amazing whether it's post-workout or you just need a midday pick-me-up. These bars have kept me going the last few months. And the reason that I love this company so much is because I connected with their founder, Jeff. And Jeff is so committed to making an impact in the community that every box of bars they sell, he donates some to kids in Haiti. He's literally making a generational change for the youth overseas. And that is really why I felt this duty and alignment to partner with Kai. So I'm so grateful for them. And they have been generous enough to give this community 15% off their orders. So go to kaisconcepts.com and then put coach Jeremy 305 at checkout so you can get some of these guys. I'm not joking. I don't take or put anything in my body that has any artificial flavors, ingredients. So get on these now, save 15% off coach Jeremy 305 at checkout. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this episode is long, long overdue, one that I've been very excited about for a very long time, more so just to see my dude, Brandon Reese. And if you don't already know Brandon, Brandon is the OG homie. He's a former professional basketball player podcast producer and out here traveling the world trying to help you optimize your human experience. And I actually want to correct myself. He's not trying. He's doing it. He's doing the damn thing. He's optimizing your human experience through his incredible adventure and storytelling skills. My dude, so good to have you here. So good to be a part of something that you help create. Like I'm in the created reality that we're we're stepping into. This is all an idea, and we uh, now we're actually living in it. We're creating yeah. this little reality. Yeah, man. And for those for those who don't know, you know, Brandon has his own podcast on the Bus Podcast. All right. Bus drivers. The bus. Sorry, the bus driver experience. <laughs> and yeah, recently rebranded, sick logo, and amazing content in that show. And Brandon's been, it's been like two years, three years since you've had the show? Three years since it started, yeah. Yeah. And you were trying to convince me to have a show for probably like over a year. And I was resistant, probably some self-limiting beliefs. And finally, in March, we launched the damn thing from my closet. Right here, stand up to sitting, yeah. Dude, so. This is real. Yeah, I'm forever grateful for you, bro. The podcast space is amazing incredible space it helps people really get a whole intimate look into you know to to really create and tap into your audience that maybe your audience didn't know this about you they didn't have a whole new look on how they can talk to you or hear the kind of information or stories you have to tell but that's the the space is so beautiful about i mean whether you have something or 
you have a channel, you have a Instagram page or a business already. This is a brand new approach and a brand new look into who you are. So it's an incredible way for brands to hear what you have to say. And, you know, from all the reviews I get to see and, you know, producing your show when it started, like, you know, people get to see a whole new way of who you are. And a lot of people want to connect with, you know, someone who's just trying to strive to be as authentic as actually as they can. Yeah, I think for people like you and I, too, you know, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, they're all great platforms. They all serve their purpose, but they're more short form content. So like one minute, 30 seconds or or maybe a three minute video. But like this gives us the opportunity to really strengthen that human connection and dive deep and really be vulnerable, be vulnerable, be authentic and, and tell stories, which is what you're so good at. Like, is that always been a skill you've had? No, I mean, I just got into podcasting three years ago. Uh, I've been a fan of podcasting since like 2012. I remember literally being on a bus in the Ukraine playing basketball and listening to a Joe Rogan podcast then and just like, oh, this guy has like the greatest job. He gets to talk with the, the most interesting or coolest or people who specialize the most in their space and he gets to just have a conversation with them. Either smoking a joint sometimes or having a drink and it's like, is this a job that everybody can do? I mean, this is, can I, how can I start a podcast? And after I finished playing basketball and coaching basketball overseas, I got into the space and it's been a three-year journey and I've gotten to talk to people that, you know, I get the question all the time, how do you get access to some of these people? You know, Olympic boxers, uh, these social media uh, personalities who I get to talk with, rappers, um, professional athletes. And, you know, I just... I just ask them if I can talk to them on my show and this is the platform and a whole new audience that they can tap into. And I'm going to ask them in the way I can share their story with my audience because the number one thing is I'm naturally curious. And if you can exhibit and convey that you're naturally curious about who someone is and you want to learn, you do that through eye contact, you do that through the questions you ask and the perspectives you come from, people, people buy into that. They really, really pick up on that. And, yeah. you know, who doesn't say no to talking about themselves? Who yeah. doesn't say no to the opportunity for you to come in and talk about them? Yeah, dude, that, that childlike curiosity, we talked about it with Suzanne before this, is such, a, such an important driver. And, like, I feel like we naturally lose some of that as we get older. But if we can just stay curious and ask questions and have these conversations and provoke some interesting thoughts, that's when real connection and real relationships are formed. And... Like you mentioned, I think one of the best benefits of like having a platform like this is being able to have access to these individuals that I may not be able to just hit up and be like, yo, let's grab a coffee. You know what I mean? It's like, this is a platform for you to share your story and really, like you said, tap into a new audience and hopefully in the meantime, like strengthen our connection, our relationship. So I think that's so powerful. And I'll never forget, dude, like the first time meeting you, it was coaching. We were coaching like with the same kind of, I guess, academy. Um, A shout out to Warrior Basketball Academy. Yeah, dude. Shout out. And uh, I remember walking in the gym and you were there and uh, and you, I think right away, like mentioned keto to me. And that was the first (laughs) time. That was like the first time, you know, I had heard the word thrown around, but you were the first person I actually met who was practicing keto and uh and your knowledge for it and your enthusiasm and your passion right away intrigued me and i'm wondering like you know talk and we're gonna dive into your basketball career in a minute but like 
has that passion and energy always been one of your superpowers, that curiosity? Oh, the passion for sure. Um, was never the biggest basketball player, but you know, I somehow at the age of four or five years old, watching these Michael Jordan VHS tapes. I don't know if you remember those. There's Michael Jordan, come fly with me, Michael Jordan, something, something, these VHS tapes. And they kept going over the story about, you know, how he didn't make the basketball team as a, as a freshman. And that drove him to be, you know, this crazy competitor. But then there was also another story. He played Monopoly with his roommate in college and he kept him up all night until he beat him in the game. And it, I was able to somehow just plug in like, wow, no one works harder than this guy. No one he doesn't want to lose anything and he's going to make sure no one can beat him at anything. So if, if I can do that, if I can just make sure you're going to have to smash me into the, in the floor and kill me to beat me, then that's going to be the case. And I'm going to go and train and work harder than everybody else. And I stuck into that habit at a very young age and it's where I can piece together where it probably came from. And yeah, I wanted to be a basketball player and I knew that from that age and that's all I set out to do. And you know, even as he got older, you hear, what do you want to be? I'm going to be a basketball player. There's nothing else. Like, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> okay. You know, you get 16. Like, but seriously, what do you want to do? Are you sure you want to do this? And, you know, I just knew what I wanted to do. And, you know, what you have to do is I looked at the people around me. Who's better than me? How do I need to be better at the people around me? And said, okay, that's the competition. Let's keep scaling, keep scaling. However, as I'm learning not being a basketball player anymore, there's not much gratification if you're just continuously trying to punch up and punch up and punch up, there's no actual reward mm. or finish line. So it's a big thing I'm trying to learn now is how to bring that into a reality when you don't have to be a ultra athlete, right. an ultra competitor. Right. Yeah. That, that's a tough integration. And so Pinecrest, which is a powerhouse score. And I just want to preface this. Hopefully you're watching this on YouTube, but if you're listening, Brandon is 5'11". On a good day. On a good day. And obviously in high school, you're probably a couple inches shorter. And probably 30, 40 pounds uh, smaller. Yeah, dude. I mean, you're like you're like cut now. We have similar builds. But Brandon's like a scrawny Jewish white dude. Like Terrible haircut, acne, like just, this guy can't play basketball. The complete opposite of what you'd anticipate being a high-level athlete, especially basketball where there's so much athleticism and speed involved. So I just want to know how much of your success in the sport do you think was due to hard work and how much was because you naturally were gifted? Well, that was the thing. Like I still had the natural gifts. I don't know, you know, you look at my mom and dad, not athletes, five, six, five, seven, just, and I come in and pull off, you know, five eleven. Um, you know, I'm running, I didn't run a four, three forty till college, but you know, I had the speed, I had the jumping ability. Um, what was it? I always had to describe as monster calves. Like, how did where did this guy get his calves from? But you know, I'm running all day. I'm running, playing in eight basketball leagues as like a nine year old kid. Like after school, was going from game to league to league to league to league. You know, just getting as much reps and experiences as possible. So, you know, looks wise, I've always been the Woody Harrelson white man can't jump. You know, you go to the park like even now, I got to go grab the rim or make three shots in a row to make sure I get picked up in the first game because. I mean, it's great for winning money on the basketball court. If you're going to bet some cash, hell yeah, I can pull a few hundred dollars in the first game. But after that, you can't hustle anybody anymore because, yeah, I can't go out and lose. I'm going to go out and you're not going to want to be friends with me on a basketball court. Mm. I want to win and I don't care 
you're my friend, you know, if I have a, girl, a girlfriend, she wants like, oh, let's go, let's go do basketball. I'm like, we shouldn't have, we can't, we can't do competition. It's not going to be great for you. It's not going to be great for me. It's not going to be great for us. Mm-hmm. Learning to let that one go, learning to push that one aside. So, so you have, there's this, there's this recurring theme in your life of overcoming odds. Okay. Overcoming odds. And it all started as a three-year-old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but hydronephrosis. Yeah. Is that correct? Hydronephrosis. Wh- yeah. What is that? And what did you experience? And how was that journey of growing through that mm-hmm. at such a young age? It's funny. It made me realize I, I don't like talking about this one of the things with weaknesses and vulnerability. I don't like ever showing them. I'm not, not good at portraying the things that made me weak and the things that I don't like to, um, I don't even like vulnerability or weakness in other people. And so I cast that image myself. So I don't really talk about it and I don't let people know about it. So, um, yeah, I was born with hydronephrosis. It's when it's a kidney disease that your kidney, um, how do you describe it? Has blockage in the ureter. Ureter connects the kidney and the bladder. So this left kidney was five times the size of the other kidney. So once they found urine in my bladder and I went for a scan and they were like, this it's so funny to look back at medicine just like 20, 30 years ago. And they say, oh my God, we got to operate immediately on this guy. This kidney's five times the size, he's blood in the urine, like we got to operate. And they put me in front of the board of experts in Tampa, which is a kidney and urology department of, and they're like, oh, 50-50, we should operate, we shouldn't. And my parents said, no, we're just going to monitor it. So I always did an exam every year. Um, I never had, they told me I'd be have infections the rest of my life. I would be on antibiotics the rest of my life and kidney stones and probably would never be able to play contact sports. And um, mom and dad just never said like, like didn't know we talked about it. You know, we went to that exam every year, but it was never something that was like the imagery of like, debilitation like Mm. we're not going to let this put you down we're not going to talk about it it's there we acknowledge it exists but let's just not we're just not going to put on it so i never made it as an excuse or a reason why i didn't get this or i didn't achieve this and succeed here and yeah i made it 25 years with no infections no problems uh until i was playing basketball in kuwait i was coaching for a basketball club in kuwait and i was playing a ten thousand dollar cash game I was also training for this $1 million basketball tournament that happens on ESPN every summer, yes. the TBT. And it was the first year and I was playing with the Syracuse team. I got asked to play. I'm pumped. I'm going to take a million dollars home. It's like 100K per person. It's going to be a big, big summer. And as I was training like a savage for my last comeback, it's the last time I'm going to play, I ruptured my kidney. I just got hit in the right spot after 25 years of wear and tear. And I ruptured my kidney in a hospital in Kuwait. And I was in the hospital in Kuwait in this foreign country by myself, first of all, I didn't, I just, I was told, you know, this ruptures and the urine gets too much in your bloodstream, it's poison to it and you're going to die. So once it happens, I'm like trying to tell everybody, we need to go to the hospital. Oh no, it's your back. You're okay. I'm like, no guys, we got to go to the hospital. I'm probably going to die. We need to get there as soon as possible. And no one, no one got it. Like, oh no, you're fine. You're fine. Habibi, inshallah, God willing. It's, it's my favorite Arab quote. It's the simple reaction to everything. God willing, if you're going to die, you'll die. If you live, you live. And it's so, it's so uh, laissez-faire. So I, some of that guy finally puts me into his truck, not in the ambulance that's there, into his truck. And I'm laying there in the back seat, and I can just smell him smoking the cigarette. I'm laying on my back and it's hurt. If you've ever ruptured an organ or if you ever had internal bleeding, your body is, is as sensitive as possible. So I'm rolling around, he's hitting speed bumps and I'm just 
have that smile because you're in so much pain. Just like, oh man, you smell the cigarette smoke now and the windows are open and they're open, they're up. And you're just like, God, if you're going to go out this way, this is a, it's a hell of a way to go out. And then you get to a hospital and because it's the Middle East, they don't believe in pain medication. They believe you're on drugs if you ask for pain medication. So I had no pain meds and I was in the hospital and then in the hospital for an entire week uh, being monitored. And, and then I finally had kidney surgery a year after that. And yeah, now it's surgically repaired. Five robotic punctures in here in can my I stomach. See it? Yeah, I don't know if you can see it, but damn, look at those abs, bro. Here, Been one getting here, one it. Here, one here. I see it. And one here. And so they used to have to go through the side of your body like a can opener and cut you open like this. So thank God I waited. So wait, did you have that? You had that surgery in the States? Yes. So it was, you know, that was somebody out there saying, Hey, I'll cut you open. I can do it. I've done this before. Like you're meeting with a doctor, you're like, I'm fine. I'm gonna wait till I go home. I waited a whole year, had a good ayahuasca ceremony in between all that. So figured figured out what I wanted to do. And so how wait, how, but if, what did they do at the hospital? Did they do anything? In Kuwait? Yeah. No, they just monitored me. Really? So like the ruptured kidney was okay for a whole year? So it, how kidneys work is they go down and function. So this kidney is, they function at 50, 50. And so when the rupture happened, it dropped to 25% function and this went to 75%. And then it got back to 6633 after a whole year. I went to a doctor here at University of Miami, uh, the Miller Center, and went with the doctor there. And then waited a year, see what happens. Went back to Kuwait, then came back again because I had one more year of work out there. Got the surgery. And yeah, surgery here was still never have urology surgery. It's the worst. Dude, that's some crazy shit. Like that's something when I was I was doing research for this interview, I was like, oh yeah, I know Brand. I know exactly what we're gonna talk about. And I and I read that, I was like, yo. And it makes sense that you didn't mention it because you don't you 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 feel uncomfortable talking about things that would perceive you to be weak. Is yeah. that it? Yeah. I but try dude, to you portray were you were three years old. Yeah. I try and portray like just being your best self at all times. Yeah, but something I'm working on is trying to relate to those moments, having those vulnerable moments. Yeah. Being able to look back and reflect on those things because you, your ego is kind of like the split personality and it has to do so much to be strong and to carry you in tough situations and in tough moments in your life. But if you don't find the balance of where your ego is and who your, who your real self is and you don't find the place where say, hey, whoa, ego, this person needs to take over. I need to feel... And I need to reflect on what has happened. And they, thank you. Thank you for getting us to these tough times and these crazy moments in our life. But you can't let your ego, like me, you know, become like a Michael Jordan or, you know, these crazy competitors who all they care about is winning. And all they care about is being this one reflection to the rest of the world and the universe as, mm. as this. But if you're only going to be that reflection, that's, that's a lonely world. Yeah. And you don't get to share that with everybody else because they only know you as that so yeah and that those are the human experiences that i think we all share the ones know. i cover the ones i'm curious about and the ones i talk with people all around the world about but yeah yeah man i feel like the last year especially has been like i've pretty much shared basically every vulnerability you and have it, for the most part i mean uh i try to because not for the most part, I, I feel good. I feel happy. I feel like, you know, I'm living my North star, my purpose. 
of course there's those days where it's like, yo, I wake up like this morning, to be honest, I was like, yo, I, I want to stay in bed. Like, do I have to get up and train, train a client? Um, and, but talking about those, like talk, bringing those to life because people relate to that. Like that's how we form true human connection. Like you said, there's green ego, which is good. It's like encouraging us, yo, you can do that. You, you can accomplish this thing as crazy as it is. Like you, you're, you're this skinny white dude, like fuck everyone saying that you can't, you got this shit. And then, like you said, it has that destructive side too. I think a lot of times now I hear a lot of people um, vilifying, uh, vilifying ego, but we need that ego. You wouldn't have been able to do all these incredible things you have without that positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. And and now I want to know like at what cost, right? Like at what cost? So we t you talk a lot about your competitiveness. Mm -hmm. And what areas of life do you feel like have maybe suffered or been neglected from that constant striving for achievement and accomplishment. Oh, yeah, relationships, friendships, like anybody you want to be close with or wants to get close to you, just doesn't happen. You know, you become too lone, you become this ultra crazy, you know, workaholic, you know, it's you want the best, you want the greatest, and you'll do it at all costs to, to go and get it with whatever it takes you to get there. And, you know, coming from a sports background of exercising and creating those areas of stress in your life, we try and do that through exercise. Like, for example, the sauna is a great place to exhibit stress for a, for a health standpoint, because we're trying to go so deep in these high heat temperatures because our body, once it does over uh, react to inflammation, it gives a fever and it reacts to it. So let's put it through this stress environment. So that way when we get this fever or, you know, the body's like, oh no, we understand what to do with this here. We know how to oh, take care of this thing in our body. So when you do that with sports, you do that with training, you take yourself to all these different deep places on a sports field, whether you're tired or you don't want to do this, or you're feeling sick, you put that stuff down and you go over that stuff. So how do you relate to that? Or how does someone relate to you if they don't understand or you don't even know because they, you don't tell them and they don't understand that about you. Mm. So it's hard to bring people with you on the crazy journey. It's hard to bring and share those things. It's even harder if you don't share them yourselves. So yeah, I think people, I think people could engineer a little bit more stress into their lives. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say to the levels that they, uh, my levels, but you know, if they're interested in doing that and they want to understand other people, that's, I mean, that people fail to see like that's, that's what actors do. You know, they have to go on and take these crazy roles that they're trying to go out and live all these different situations and life experiences in order to portray these personalities or mm. how someone felt in this situation because they're, they're trying to play somebody while still being them. Yeah. So how do they get into that? So, I mean, every, every career has that, you know, it's practice, engineering yeah. stress. Yeah. And I think it's, I, I think that's super important, especially distinguishing between acute and chronic stress, because most of our country is in this chronic stress mode where as soon as we wake up, our cortisol levels are spiked. We're checking our phones. We're constantly reacting right? Whether it's work, whether it's relationships, social, and we're constantly putting ourselves in this stressed environment and not giving ourselves or not learning the tools to manage that stress. And when you talk about like thermal stress, whether it's the sauna, the steam, the, the ice bath, can we take one after this, by the way? 
Do we have time? Do we have? We'll, we'll see. How, we'll see how we finish the show. I don't know how long we're gonna go. But oh, bro, we going. We going I, I, for days. I, I love a good ice bath. Though. Yeah, and that's one of the best. That's one of the biggest benefits is we're putting this acute stress on our body, and and really challenging our nervous system because our body, our mind crave new challenges, and oftentimes we don't give ourselves those new stimulus. So I think it's really important. You said that. Um, I'm curious because I know you were in a relationship ended maybe like a year ago yeah we'll say that yeah around that time i'm wondering how much i'm just thinking this now like how much of you that was trying to repair that relationship was coming from a place of competitiveness like i don't want to lose if this relationship ends it's my fault and i'm i'm to blame and i'm losing mm -hmm. i'm just curious what's your thoughts on yeah. that no that that totally happens um being the the ultra competitor or the um i think just being naive as well being naive and not actually being aware and finding out where the other person's coming from and understanding who they are and understanding their needs and like which a lot of people a lot of us do is we point the blame towards us and we take it on and say oh it's because of me and it's because of what i did and it's like no, take a step back. It's not about you. You know, maybe someone else is experiencing something. That's where we have open lines of communication. That's where we find out. And if you're going to go and make yourself miserable and put yourself down because of something that happened, well, then you're, I mean, you're, you're creating a terrible reality and world for yourself where we're talking faults. Like no one's at fault here. Not everything works out. Mm. Not everything's perfect. I like to say that, 99% of people aren't great at anything. Yeah, everybody's good at something, but how many people are great at something? We're talking about 1% of people. And a lot of stuff's going to fail. And a lot of stuff's going to go wrong. I think I have my wall, the crazy person I am, I have these massive post-it notes, like probably the size of this TV. And I, <laughs> and I think it says, like on 12 lines, like over and over again, fail, 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 until you succeed at the bottom. And that's one of the only decorations in my room. That's probably how crazy I Did am. Did you handwrite that? Yes. And, you know, it, it's great to look at. Just to be a reminder, like, hey, that failure is going to happen. That failure is going to be there. Reflect on it. Look at it. Because self-reflection is also the biggest thing we don't take the time to do for ourselves. Um, you know, and if we're able to do that, say, okay, this is why this happened. Let me take a look at this. Or even taking a pause. Like taking a pause from my podcast for a month. Old me would have never let that happen. Mm. Never. But I said, hey, yeah, I'm going to call. I'm supposed to do some shows with, uh, with uh, you guys here at the studio today. And I said, you know, I'm going to cancel everything. Cancel the shows. Because again, again, normal me would have got upset. No, we need to get these shows out. What happens if you don't get this out Monday? People are going to lose their mind and everything's going to go wrong. But like, who, who actually cares? <laughs> is that everybody else or is that me yeah. reflecting that on other people? Mm. So let, let's take a step back. Let's do something different. Let's mm. try something new and then come back and see and see what's happening. How can you make it better? Yeah. Because again, this is, we're doing this for other people. The show is again for ourselves. We're interested in learning about other people, but how can we make this better for the people who are listening? Yeah. Yeah. And I think so many, when you're, when you're talking about failure, I love that message because so many of us, it's all good, bro. We got the best production team in the world. It don't matter if you bump the mic by thing. mistake. Anyways. No, but we have we have this perception, I feel like, especially in, in the Western world, in the US, that 
failure is bad, right? And really it's just lessons. It's just teaching lessons. Like, so I'm wondering through your experiences playing sports, especially at one of the highest level schools, Syracuse, mm -hmm. um, shout out orange. Yeah. Um, shout out orange. Yeah, I was never a fan of Syracuse. Like, I just remember, like, I didn't dislike Mello or Jerry McNamara, but I think it was just like I never, I, I never thought they were that good. I thought their zone defense was just like, just like so annoying, and like they would win these like two point games that were low scoring. I was like, fuck these guys. Anyways, I get, I get <laughs> off point. I'm wondering what someone like Jim Beheim, who's a Hall of Fame coach, one of the most respected leaders in the game, taught you. In that critical moment of your life, 18 to 22, about failure, about losing, and how to learn from that and bounce back. Mm. Well, I mean, he only fed into this ego of mine in terms of the composure and the poise as a professional, because there are levels of composure and poise you need to have as a professional. You're representing a corporation, the NCAA, Syracuse University. So when you're going out there and you're, you know, whatever you're, the way you're acting, like that's a representation on other people. It's not just yourself. There's a bigger message and a bigger standpoint than just you, you know, not just as the player, as you're, we have our own individual brands, but it's part of this team, you know, you can't be going out and doing something completely different. It's going to jeopardize the team and the existence of the team because there's a whole unit here. Yeah, we have our own individual selves, but we have to find a way to make this all work. And especially in the public eye that playing at a big university like that is that, you know, you got to watch yourself. You can't do certain things. You can't act certain ways. And people are going to look at you differently around town. They're going to hold you in a different light and hold you in a different perspective. It sucks, but that's the responsibility, you know? Was it the um, Spider-Man, uh, his uncle? Great power comes great responsibility. If you want that power that's going to happen with playing sports and the attention that's going to come with it, got to be able to handle it. That's why it's really hard for a lot of people to handle, especially being superstars at that level and onto the professional level. So he was great, 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 great with that aspect. You know, you got to keep 12 crazy personalities all together and all working towards one general goal. And that's to win a championship, win a basketball game, and then to grow each, each and every one of those individuals as people. Mm. It's a lot of work. You're dealing with 12 psychopaths who all think that they're the best yeah. And that, you know, we all like you have 12 egos that are through the roof coming into the gym every day and everybody has their own shit going on in their own life. You know, a teammate had a friend who was gunned down and shot. I mean, how do you talk to a guy and you're a, a coach from upstate New York for a kid who's from Philadelphia and you got to talk to him about, you know, the guy who got shot. Cause we need you to play a basketball game because this is my job. And if you don't come in, cause I recruited you to score points then I'm out of a job and then you're out of a scholarship. So it's, it's a business and you know, we, you have to find a way to relate to people and get everybody up and get everybody excited to, to get to the next level or pursue the career that you're going to have after the game. Hmm. And it's a lot going on there. A lot going yeah. on. People don't say, well, one of the biggest things that I feel like it requires is compassion and empathy, right? Like being able to put yourself in that individual's, position and understand like wow like they must be experiencing this wild wide wide range of emotions how can i do something or say something or just listen to make the situation better and i'm wondering for yourself right because you've traveled so much i think it's i think 
and we'll talk about it later, but some of your travel journeys are just unreal. Driving a bus around South America for nine months, a fucking school bus. Like no one would do this in their right mind. And I'm wondering, just connecting with all of these people in these countries, trying these different foods, being exposed to these cultures, that must've taught you some compassion. And I would love for you to just kind of dive a little deeper into that experience. What was the motivation behind it? And talk about what you learned, bro. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Again, like looking back and reflecting, it's uh, not something I, I do much or get to sit down and do because I don't give myself the time to do it. I have the time to do it. You don't make the time. Totally. It, it's it's totally on me. Um so after I played basketball and coached basketball in Kuwait and I had that kidney rupture and it was time to go through another transformation in life, you know, leaving a career, taking on a new job, going into a new space. And me and my former partner literally sat at uh, my dad's kitchen table and we created a podcast and then we created a Kickstarter campaign. And um, I, I got this message from I'm a big fan of Gonzo Journalism and Hunter Thompson because I just love his takes and his perspectives on the world, his use of, you know, psychoactive substances, and he's able to portray life, society, just a whole different light. It was, his writing's really incredible. He's the author of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, mm. uh, The Rum Diaries, and he was a writer uh, and journalist for Rolling Stone and a few other publications. Brilliant guy. Um, and then there was, uh, you know, what do I want to do now? You know, I, I, for the longest time in life, I want to be a basketball player and I can't do that anymore. Where do I go from here? You know, you got to start from zero. You know, speaking of the ego, that's the hardest thing, you know, to do. It's like, hey, like imagine you being the best at something and now you have to go into a field and you're not the best, but you're a competitive person. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not good. I can't not be good. I got to be the best. Like, how, how do you practice at this? I can't go out and just like train can't go out and just train at podcasting, you know, that's going to take a hundred episodes and experience to get better as a host, to portray the message I'm trying to spread, stay on brand, to portray and tell people why they should be listening and why the messages I'm trying to bring in, the stories I'm trying to tell mean something to people. So I worked at it and I worked at it and I worked at it and the show was called On the Bus and I wanted to get this school bus and actually go out and live these unique experiences with the people I talked with, you know, because talking with them wasn't enough. You know, let's go out and let's, let's go talk with these people. Let's go out because through all the travels I've had, you know, playing basketball in Europe and in Israel and then coaching in Kuwait, you know, it's, I want, I was coaching in a Muslim, uh, Muslim majority country, you know, most people here, especially coming from a Jewish background, like, are you, are you fucking insane? What is wrong with you? You're, they're going to kill you. You're, you're going to, you're going to die. Like, oh, hold on. Like, I don't know these people. Like, you know, I obviously got the job unless they literally bring me over to kill me. It's not going to happen. So you, you go over there and you, you get a whole new perspective about who Muslims are, who Arabs are living with them. You know, it's the extreme. It's a whole new take, but you know, I was, I was curious and there was a great job there. Let's go, let's go live here. Let's go see what it's like, what life is like here. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm the extreme side. I'm going to go put myself in those situations to learn. And it was an unreal experience. There's, you know, many, many, many friends and relationships I built out there that I stay in contact with till this day. And so, you know, this bus trip was, you know, again, an extension of that. 
I can go back even further. Uh, first time backpacking, I was in France. And this seems like a ridiculous story. Um, ridiculous is good. Ridiculous is good. And we I was, love that shit I was here. on my way to Israel because I was going to play basketball there. I had a few tryouts for a few pro teams. But instead of training for two months in the summer, I said my buddy had a one-way ticket to France. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go there. Mom's literally in the car driving us to the airport crying. What's wrong with you? You don't have a job. You're graduating college. What are you doing? And it's like, mom, not the time. What are you doing? We're, we're about to leave on this trip. You can't guilt me this hard. As I'm about to go, I can't cancel this trip. The ticket's already purchased. And I go and, you know, it's my first time outside of routine, a basketball, you know, not training every day and not going to train every day because I didn't train and prepare every day. And a friend asked me, hey, Brandon, what do you want to do today? And I was like, what do you mean? I, I don't do research on places. I go, I just show up and I start talking with people and I just go. And I said, uh... I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what's going to happen today. Um, so I just came up with the most ridiculous thing. Let's get some stale baguettes and let's go have a sword fight under the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> and me and my three friends, shout out to Squeaky, Steven, and uh, Domenico. We beat the shit out of each other with these stale baguettes under the Eiffel Tower. Just what four Americans would do in Paris, you know? Nothing out of the ordinary. But, you know, just like some silly thing like that gave me the idea of, you know, what, what, where do I get purpose from? Where do I get meaning from? And I, I just love having the freedom of thought to go out and do whatever it is I want to do every day. Yes, you need money. Yes, you need to be able to create a job. And I think what I've really figured this out is we live in a reality where there is no purpose. You know, and if you look at it, you know, theoretically, there's no purpose to actually being alive and all this stuff on a mathematical and scientific level. However, the people who are able to give themselves the most meaning are the ones who are able to create purpose in a world where there's no purpose. Mm. So that is what I've discovered and how, you know, we all need jobs and we have to find a way to give ourselves, a lot of us give us purpose through the jobs we do and our occupations. However, they're constantly changing. And I had to constantly change and pivot out of being a basketball player. So I just started taking on all these different jobs and I started talking to people with these different jobs and different, different roles, in different societies who do some amazing things. And so now I take on those things and I do those things every day. One day I'm a carpenter and next day I'm going hunting because I want to see, I, I, I eat a lot of red meat, but can I actually go out and kill this animal? Can I get in touch of where my food comes from? Because a lot of people think it's styrofoam and saran wrap, uh. but can I go out and actually skin that animal? Do I, do I have the gusto to go out and gut it and then put it on my plate? Mm. Can I do all that? Is, is that, is that where you're going to understand where your food, because that's where it comes from. It's not just styrofoam. So that's the whole mission and that's where it's really, really led on to. And that's where I'm going to next, um, just taking that to India and telling all these different stories, you know, a part of Indian's role in society and taking on those unique jobs and being a part of what it is to me the most unique things, not going out there to go to the Taj Mahal and take some pictures outside. You know, I'm going to the Amritsar, to the Golden Temple that feeds 50,000 people every day. And I'm going to go work in there for a 24 hour shift. And I'm going to know what it's like to have these, they feed 24, they feed 50,000 people every single day for free. I want to go take part in that. I want to know why and how they do that here. And let's take part in it. Let's be a part of it. Yeah, let's completely. see if we can bring some of that here. You know what I mean? We have the tools. We have the supplies, the money. We have, you know, we, we don't run out of food. We, we waste more food than we eat. Yeah. We, we don't have the tools and we don't have the, um, the systems to get it to the right people. Mm. You know, was it the Panama Papers came out and there's $5 trillion of tax evasion all around the world because ultra 
uh, affluent people don't believe in government enough to give their money away to give back to the systems that are built in place. Yeah. And okay, yeah, if I was them, I wouldn't want to give my money up either if it's not going to go to the people that need it. But at the same time, that's $5 trillion that the systems that we're all buying into and that we're all trying to pretend we practice in. Yeah. Yeah, and it all goes back to your curiosity, though. Like, it's so true, too, because I can recall so many different times we've spoken and I'm like, yo, dude, like, what's good? What are you up to? How's LA? <laughs> how's, how's, how's Bangladesh? Wherever it may be. Uh, and you always are doing something new. You're always experiencing something different and throwing yourself into the fire. And I think that's so dope that you do that. And you're willing to like take on these challenges that, so many of us avoid and and you maintain that childlike curiosity talking about this transition that you had to make from professional athlete where so much of your identity was tied into right since you started playing at four years old mm -hmm. i'm wondering how that transition was initially like coming to the reality okay like maybe basketball you know, it served its purpose. It provided me amazing opportunities. And now it's time to move on. Like, how was that process, that journey? Well, like anything I do, it got thrusted a thousand times more in your face because I had that kidney surgery. So I had a tube going from my kidney all the way down to my bladder. A, a stint going in was about like 12 inches in my body. It was irritating. I was, you know, all puffy and swollen from surgery. I tried to not take any of the opioids that they were giving me at the time. So I did it on no painkillers, just on antibiotics. So I didn't get infected. And yeah, that was six weeks after coming back from being overseas and being in bed for six weeks after having major organ surgery. And so, yeah, I had a really hard time, like in your face, transforming from my bed with my nephew at the time, who was two years old, jumping all over me. I'm trying to recover. Just literally just lay there in bed and really reflect on what was next. And literally bought a whiteboard and just started hammering, you know? Like I said, no time to reflect, just mm. go. So again, that's how I'm able to stay out of that vulnerable moment, you know, of reflection, mm -hmm. is I keep myself busy. Like you said, uh, I'm getting to the point where I'm finally really hammering home on my message and what I want to do. And how I want to tell my story hmm. mixed into the, all the stories that I get to share. So, you know, once I finally get that reflection, I'm able to take that time. I'm going to be able to, you know, help, help and uh, just show how great humanity, reality and, and life is. You know, it's, it's all what you make it. And yeah, we all have tough and different circumstances. We all come from different backgrounds. And there's systemic racism and systemic sexism and all these things that happen that are there to put us down. And, and we all have our own shit. And, you know, we got to find a way to get around that shit. And, you know, I get mad at this, too. I'm probably the only person who, you know, doesn't get mad at the same point. I, I can't stand. But I'm out there and I'm seeing somebody making a bigger change in the world than me. Like, I got this stone in my hand. I just want to chuck it at the wall right now. Mm. Like, no, no, I got to be making more change. I got to be providing a more powerful impact than this person over here. I look at it as a competitive way in that sense. Like mm. I'm not doing enough. I got to go out there and make my message and touch and, you know, try and help more people. Yeah. And so that is, I think where people could hone in their energy towards and put it towards that. Like, okay, I, it's simple. Be the change you want to see in the world. If you can do it, 
and you can be the thing you want to exemplify, people see that. People right. relate to that. They buy that. Yeah. This this idea, <laughs> this this consistent theme that keeps coming up for you, the challenge for you to kind of be still almost and, and sit with where you're at and what you've accomplished, what is behind you, and maybe even celebrating some of those accomplishments. I don't that, know how to. That's a crazy idea, right? I don't know how to. So I would encourage you, and we'll talk about this more, but that is what I've seen with so many of these high achieving people. Like I have clients that have accumulated all of the things. They have the penthouse overlooking the beach. Mm -hmm. They have the three Rolls Royces. They have the four ex-wives. They have all of mm. these things they've accumulated over time, but they still, they still are searching for meaning. Like Viktor Frankl's book, like Man's Search for Meaning. They're literally like, like that person who's still trying to prove someone wrong and trying to accomplish these things without actually like understanding what's it all for. Okay, here's a better one. How does one celebrate? Right. So for me, I would say a way that I've kind of incorporated it is just by simply like saying like, yo man, like this thing that I created or I'm in the process of creating is dope. And like not being so focused on what the destination is. Like, cause that shit has really overwhelmed me in the past and caused a lot of anxiety. Like I really want to create this program and this is how it needs to look. And this is when it needs to be released by. And this is when we need to release a seven day free trial. And I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. Right. And all of a sudden, like it takes all the fun away. So I guess for me, what's worked is constantly reassessing, evaluating like, okay, this is dope. Maybe we got like this number of downloads, but not being so obsessed with the quantitative results, really finding things that I enjoy doing, like taking on projects that aren't necessarily going to get me the most money or the most acknowledgement or the most external validation, but they're going to fill my cup up. They're going to feed my soul. I know they're going to make a large impact moving forward. So for me, it's like almost just being, just being myself and aligning with people and projects that I know feel right and, and coming from a place of my heart and intuition. So I don't know if that helped or answered your question, but I think for me, especially lately, I've seen so much more fulfillment and enjoyment because I've just been sticking with my superpowers and been doing those things and been really like seeking out like, Hey, how can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I bring more light to your life? How can I bring more energy? How can I improve your movement? Whatever it is. And, and yeah, just being able to understand like, why is it that I'm doing this thing? Is it from a place of ego? Is it because I'm trying to be better than that person? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think just coming from a place of like understanding like the why and the intention behind it has helped me. And that's kind of like a recent development because I feel like we have a lot of similarities in terms of trying to just crush it and attack this and attack that. And like some of our conversations we've had in the past, it was like me venting to you like, bro, life is kicking my ass right now. Fuck. And then 
you would hit me up like four days later, like, yo, dude. I'm dying. Yeah. Like, so I, and by the way, those conversations are so important that we're having that communication, right? It's like, yo, you're not alone, dude. I got you. I feel you. I understand you. I see you. And I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen to you. Like, tell me how I can support you. That's one of the biggest problems in entrepreneurship is having someone to relate to, someone to connect with. Someone taught me is, you know, and told me that entrepreneurship's a very, very lonely realm. And there's not many people you can talk to. There's not many people you can relate to. And after actually going through it over the past three years, like, you know, it's, it's a lonely island. You know, you're your own entrepreneur. Yeah, you can talk with other entrepreneurs, maybe if they have time, because, you know, they're over there slaving away trying to build their own company. So it's, you know, how do you relate to those other businessmen or businesswomen? And how do you able to have a creative and also safe space to talk with them to, to know and say, I'm doing this? Because everybody's, you know, creating their own ideas or creating their own brands or creating their own companies or creating their own product. So a lot of us are going in through spaces that either didn't exist yet or, or just brand new ideas that haven't happened yet. Or like most of us happen, we don't know where to, where to go. Yeah. We don't know how to get in touch with those people who can help us. Mm. That's why we have the internet. All hail the internet. Yeah. Like a good friend of ours said, everything on the internet is just a Google search away. It really is. What do you want to do? Do you want to you want to be a basketball player? Do you want to learn how to do a podcast? Do you want to learn how to do this? Do you want to go to this country? There's a free way to do it. There's a cheap way to do it. Like you just got to go out there and do it. You just got to yeah. literally type it in and the tools and the directions are all there. Mm. I think I think that's one of the biggest things that you've taught me over the years, man, is like fucking action like fucking you want it you want to do something stop fucking talking and do it like just take the action because the more we talk and the more we question like how am i going to do this the more we self-sabotage ourselves, right and i'm wondering because that that must have been another tough adjustment coming from a team dynamic for 20 plus years playing a sport where it's like you have your brothers in the locker room, you have that support system, you have these people to kind of lift you up and hold you accountable. And then to going almost flipping 180, a hundred to zero, and now feeling a little bit of loneliness. Mm -hmm. Like how has that experience been? Well, I think it's millennials in general are feeling this loneliness. Um, you know, I had this few talk with, you know, people in Gen X or baby boomers or, you know, people in our parents' uh, age bracket. And, you know, a lot of them don't understand even like the jobs that we have. My mom and dad don't know what a podcast is. My mom and dad don't know about going out and doing a video shoot or being a journalist and heading to the Mexican border to cover a story on uh, these portraits that are painted on the wall. Like, well, how, how do you get this job? Like, well, I'm just a good student of the internet. I know how to connect with people and I know when people need a service, how they can find me and how they can, I can get that job. So they just don't understand all that. Like, what, how are you doing this today? How are you going and building furniture in this brand new office emporium over here? Like, I just know how to use the internet and I yeah. know how to connect. So millennials, we literally have been told that we need to go to college and that we need to take on all this debt. And then, then there was a housing crisis and then there was a financial crisis. And now all those jobs that existed that had pensions and 401ks, they don't, they're not there anymore. And now we have to pick up the tools because we weren't born into the internet. We grew up in the internet. 
We didn't have the internet. We weren't born into it like Gen, Gen Z. We literally had to find this stuff. Our parents didn't know what to do with it. And we are literally trying to piece everything together and figure out what we can make out of it. We're mm -hmm. still trying to build this brand new working force, workforce and reality that never existed before. And now because we want different things and we're saying like, hey, well, you know, there's no more foreign 401ks or pensions at the end of our life. Or maybe social security is probably not going to be there. You know, free healthcare. We, maybe that's something we can all agree on to give to all the people. You don't want that. That's selfish. You, you guys just don't want to work. You know, it's, it's, again, it's a big generational gap. We're all trying to figure out the next step. And our whole society is transforming. We're coming to terms with modernity. And modernity is changing every single second. It's mo technology moves at an exponential rate. And now we're there as human beings who don't move fast and we hate change. And we're trying to evolve and move with the technology. And as you can see, we have all these growing pains in society that we're trying to figure out. Yeah. And instead of like trying to figure out how to build underwater cities, we're trying to figure out if someone's a left or a righty, or if they believe in this guy or this woman. And it's like, guys, we got to figure out underwater cities and like going to Mars. We got Elon doing it, but there's so much more stuff of great things about reality. We could be worried about if we could just agree on one or two things. Yeah. And then we have a lot of stuff to figure out because the technology is moving fast and yeah. no one knows how to use it still and harness it properly. Let's figure that out. And that's what we need to do is millennials. Yeah. Well, 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 we are, like you said, we are the change. And it's something that has been a really common theme. And I actually spoke about it with Suzanne before this is loneliness loneliness, this idea of loneliness. And there's a statistic that that perpetual feeling of loneliness is the equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And loneliness is a choice, in my opinion, because I've been there where I felt like I was alone in my thoughts, alone in my ideas, alone in my beliefs and striving to create these certain things and it wasn't fucking fun, man. I realized like, dude, like my superpower is connecting with people and I'm keeping myself cooped up in my apartment thinking that I'm being productive when really I'm not enjoying this process. So I really encourage you and other people listening out there. Like there's so, just like you said, we have the ability to use the internet. Let's use it for good. Let's let it serve us rather than being controlled by it and consuming it nonstop. Search a local meetup. Find something that you're interested in and then connect with people who are talking about those things, whether it's hanging out at a yoga studio or going to a farmer's market or just going to a meetup or an event. You need to participate. And then magic happens. Because you can't predict what's going to happen from connecting with these people or places. You have to be open to those possibilities. And like when you're traveling, I think it's a perfect example. It's like there's so much more out of your control because you're not in your space anymore. You're not in your territory. You're not speaking. You might not be in the uh, place where they're speaking your language. So you almost have to surrender a little bit. Why do you think I love doing that now? I got that lesson taught to me where I can say to somebody, what do you want to do today? Yeah. We're going to do what you want to do today. That's a lot for somebody. But how is that person going to like what I'm going to take them to do? Are they going to are they going to feel this way and like you already start creeping back into yourself like I don't know. How am I going to make someone else happy? Yeah. Instead of really looking into who you are. But how often do you ask yourself that while you're in the US? Like, what do I want to do today? 
oh, I'm terrible with that. I'm a workaholic. I don't right. go out and do all that stuff. I haven't yeah. even traveled that much myself. I'm, I stay at home. I went to a concert the other day. I, get, I got myself out of the house and I went to a concert. So yeah. that was big. I've had a few beach days and I had a surf day, a few surf days. I've been getting out there to the to Malibu, getting yeah. on the waves. But um, no, they're, they're definitely much more needed. And it's just a great way to connect with other people and a great way to uh, get outside yourself, not worry about what someone else is going to think, you know, because again, <laughs> someone's asking you what you want to do. You, not anybody else. Get out of your ass. Yeah. And I, and I, it's like you are, when I, I was actually thinking about it when I was driving over here and I was like, what people in my life have had the greatest impact on me? Like what people have had, have like shaped my perception of the world or who have influenced me in a positive way. And you're definitely there, bro. Like literally like you opened my eyes to so many new things. I wouldn't have had this show. I wouldn't, this wouldn't be here without you. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And, and you're such a light. You're such a bright light, like fucking illuminating. Like this light has nothing on you, bro. <laughs> like for real, that's real talk. So shining that light, bro. Like I've seen you in, in what we went to a couple events together. Like, I feel like that you being in that space is one of your superpowers, like connecting with people. So yes, you're busy. Yes. You're trying to accomplish these certain things, but dude, incorporating some community, maybe it's going to Venice and like going with the acro yoga or whatever it is, man. And like, just experience it. See how it feels. Maybe it's... I love acro. You put me onto that. We did it at South Point. Yeah, Hopefully bro. we get to go to uh, Sunday. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. No, it was great doing that. Um, I'm supposed to go out there with Aaron um, and do some acro. Alexander. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My buddy's producing his show. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Max, who I had on my last show. Max McCoy. Fuck yeah. Um, who runs Mind Body uh, Hoops. It's a basketball mental health platform. Great guy for you to, to meet and talk with. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he's uh, producing Aaron's show, The Align Podcast. Great show to go check out. Shout out, yeah. He's a great dude. And uh, yeah, he's always out there doing acro. Yeah, mm. it, it, th that community is so small. Even if you're California, 20 million people in like that Southern California, greater Los Angeles area. A girlfriend of mine's like, oh yeah, I'm going to do acro with Aaron. It's like, well, Aaron Alexander is like, oh, my buddy's producing a show. It's like so many connections. And, you know, the podcast community is small, even though there's 750,000 shows. Yeah. Everybody knows each other. Yeah, dude. And I notice a lot of, I don't want to say a lot, but a few of the people I've connected with who have like a large influence online. And when you talk to them, there seems to be this disconnect there seems to be this craving for this, for what we're doing right now, for real, authentic, open conversation, eye contact, physical touch. These are things that as human beings, we have a necessity for, right? Like I, I it's as I've, as I've integrated in the Daybreaker community, the founder talks about getting your dose getting your daily dose. And this is so easy to access throughout the day. So what does dose stand for? Are you wondering? No, I think you've said it. I follow you. So I think you've definitely said it before. So getting your <clears throat> daily, getting your daily dose. So D, dopamine. Here we go. It's like Get, I'm listening to the stand-up sing podcast in person. Yes. <laughs> getting D, 
Getting your dopamine hit. How do you get that? Not from your notifications going off on your phone, because that will give you a temporary dopamine hit, but the more powerful dopamine hits come from a sense of accomplishment. And that can come from something as simple as making your bed. Like first thing in the morning, yes, I crushed it. Let that be momentum. Oh, oxytocin, right? That comes from physical touch. Touch me again. Yes, touch yourself, B. Touch yourself. Yes, dude, that's oxytocin. S, serotonin, just a nice compliment. Hey, B, I love that new haircut of yours. It's absolutely phenomenal. You, It really accentuates your ears and your eyes. It's like we talked about the last episode. Women have less serotonin receptors in their minds, so even acknowledging them. Acknowledge them anyone listening out there. This goes for women and men alike. Give women real compliments, not that surface level bullshit like, oh, I like the way that lipstick looks on you. That's cool. But let's try and find something a little more meaningful. Hey, hey, I love the way that you are just so compassionate. Or I love the way that you put that cilantro in the salad and added that extra spice. And then E, finally, endorphins, right? Let's hit a couple squats. Let's, Let's move our bodies. Let's get the blood flowing. So that's your morning dose. We have access to it throughout the day. So yeah, I mean, these are things I know you know about them, but I really want people to take action. It's like I was in your closet right there listening to the show. It's like we we transitioned from your other show to this show right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? It was with this time warp. I'm wondering, I'm wondering because I feel like you have so much knowledge and wisdom to offer. Mm-hmm. Someone who's listening right now and they are thinking about starting something, whether it's a business or or an idea coming to life or starting a podcast, and they're being ruled by fear, by fear of failure, by fear of judgment, whatever it is. What is one thing that you tell that person? Well, I would just look at them in the eye first and foremost and say, like, how bad do you want it? Like, do, do you, you're telling me you want this, but like, do you actually want it? right now I'm just hearing complaining bullshit. Like if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. But if not, let's just forget about it. You're not ready. When you're ready, we'll actually talk about what you want to do. Mm. I'm a reverse psychology person. I'm going to get in your head and I'm going to actually realize and let's, let's bring you down to a place you can realize if you actually want to do something. Because if you want it, you're going to start taking the actionable steps. Because again, we talked about it, that Google search that, oh, hey, you know, I'm really interested in foreign policy. This guy's been on the Bill Maher show. He talks to diplomats and world leaders around the world. I'm going to talk to him on my show. I'm going to find his his Twitter account, find his email, and I'm talking to a guy who talks to European leaders on foreign policy. And and um, what do you do when you advises like world leaders on what to do? It's like he's talking to me on my podcast. Like, oh, how do you do it? I just, I just talk with people. You can't be afraid to do the things you want to do. Mm. A lot, everybody else is, and everybody else is not sure how to get about it, but you can ask the people, ask them, find out what it takes to get there. There's those Bill Gates and there's these people who may be a little bit unattainable and reachable, but there's someone you look up to who's doing what you want to do. They've figured out how to put their bullshit aside to get where they want to get and go where they want to go. Just ask them. Mm. Are you able to reach out to somebody and talk to somebody you thought you would never be able to talk to? And they were going to give you some insight on how to be what it is you want to be or get where you want to get. I think that's a great first big accomplishment right there for you to say, wow, wow. 
I, can, I might even add that to my resume. I had a phone call with this person. Yeah. Shows that you have, you know, you can cold call somebody if you want to be in a sales role. If you want to build something, you want to be a producer and you want to produce someone's show, you can get people on someone's show. You can create stuff. Yeah. It's resume building. Mm. Was it the Jesse Itzler? He's the same kind of uh, brand as something I mean. It's, I'm going to be as many roles and learn as many things as I possibly can. Yeah. You don't have to decide who you're going to be or who you are. First off, you're you. I'm Brandon. You're Jeremy. You know, he's Santiago over there. At the same time, those are all personas. Those are names that were given to you by your parents. Those were names that were told who you are. You can't live your life trying to fill that bubble of whatever name that you were given. You got to find out who you are and then let that name fill in from there. Mm -mm. That's how you make up and that's how you realize what you want to do. Mm. How, how would someone get started? Well, one of the things that to cut myself off is the curiosity. It comes back to it, like reaching out to these people. It's like, you're curious, right? Like you're curious. Hey, like, how did you get to where you're at now? Like asking those questions and not thinking that you're below this person, right? We're just at different stages. Mm -hmm. We're on different journeys, right? Not necessarily different paths, but just different journeys. And they might take us to the same destination. Who knows? We're all going to the same place. Um, right? We're all going to the same place. Uh, is that, I mean, is that dark? I mean, we're all going to die one day. I mean, just, just get over it and accept it and just... <laughs> You're blood today. I'm, I'm always... I mean, just, we're going to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. We all know we're going to die. We don't know where we're going to go. I mean, some people live their life like they already know where they're going to go when they die and they read a book and say, this is it and this is what's going to happen, you know? But you got to fill that that stuff up before with, with what you want you to fill your existence with, the things you enjoy the most. You know, we deny ourselves love. We deny ourselves all the, the dope that you talked about. Dose. Dose, excuse me. Dope, dose. We, you know, we deny ourselves that dose every single day, just touching somebody and having those great feelings. You know, especially millennials, we love to starve ourselves out. I think we have to work so hard because this other generation says we don't work that hard. Mm. And we don't, we don't do the things that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know one person that comes to mind other than Michael Jordan mm -hmm. that has had a really big impact and influence on you. I don't know. I don't know if I have anybody else. Is it maybe a coach? I mean, they're in impacts, but not that big of impacts. Yeah. Um, again, I've always been a, a lone wolf and a lone soldier. Um, what about you? Who do you got? Who's who's someone for me? Yeah. Who's moved you? I mean, for sure, for sure, like. It, it, it becomes more and more apparent for me every single day, like the impact that my parents have had on me, man, like the way just because now I feel like I'm so much more aware of their shortcomings and their superpowers and their strengths. And like my dad at a very early age, I'll never forget going to his work with him and we would pass by the janitor in the bathroom, cleaning the bathroom. And my dad would stop and like have a conversation with this man, like a real, like not like some fake bullshit with, with just being transactional. Like he was 
genuinely interested in this janitor and his life and asking about his wife and the kids. And I was like, damn, man, like that's so, that's so unique. I just thought it was normal. But then I saw the way other people operated. I was like, nah, like that's very special. So I think just the compassion and like empathy that my dad operates from, and he's the one that always kind of preached gratitude to me. Like we have so many gifts that we need to give thanks for on a daily basis. And then my mom's unconditional love and support for everything. Like, man, like I could do anything. And like my mom would still like hug me and say like, I love you. And like that for a kid, like a young kid, I feel like it's so important. Um, that, that love and, um, dude, rapid fire. You ready? Yeah. Favorite emoji. Favorite emoji. Uh, the head explosion one. Biggest pet peeve. Uh, biggest pet peeve. Three. Lazy people. Ooh. Book or movie that has impacted you the most? Jeez. I don't know. Three. I, th I think too hard. I'm a perfectionist. I want the, the best answer. Just be, answer. bro. Just be. I, I, what so what comes for up for you? It's like, so hard for me. So hard for me to be myself. Does like anything come up for you? Like when I say like book or movie, what comes up? Drawing blanks. I want the best one. I can't think of the best one. Shooting blanks over here, ladies. Yep. Still um, no kids. Um, what's a quote or mantra that you live by? Um, the edge. The only place you truly know where it is are the people who've gone over. I like that. Okay. Hunter Thompson. Okay. So since we talked about death and we're all going to rest someday, final destination. So it's your last dinner before that moment, your final supper. You're at this table right here, but maybe you're sitting. I won't force you to stand. And you get to pick three people at that table with you. Dead or alive, can't be your parents, can't be any family. Um, who would those three people be? Hmm. Well, see, this is the the catch twenty two. You know, I, I'm admitted that we're you know, we're all gonna die, but I'm also don't think that I'm gonna die. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm too good. Uh, hey B, you're gonna die. Who are those three people? I mean, you're gonna have to kill me first. All right, let's go. Who are those three people? Something's gonna have to kill me. That's the thing. Um, hmm. Genghis Khan for sure. Okay. <laughs> killed like 75 million people like or 50 million people like conquered the biggest empire in the world okay i gotta know what that guy was doing and you're not really tripping about him killing you because you're gonna die anyways the next morning no who the, cares yeah, okay we want to know what this guy was all about okay um i'm really scared for these next two yeah this is a good one this is a good one uh who else is joining me at the table oh hunter thompson for sure okay yeah rave crazy lunatic writer you know okay. who's probably snorting cocaine on the table right there <laughs> that's just his day in the life dropping acid you know so he's probably on a few tabs while still eating some club sandwiches that he would order <laughs> on his last meal and a few modellas and a few uh what else would he have drink drink okay oh. last person B. last person so we have Focus. genghis khan i would have gone with attila the hunt or genghis khan so um two of my favorite barbarian kings just oh. Great people just conquered the world, defied the odds, and just Last ravaged. person at Who the table is going to be sitting with us. Hmm. Mm hmm. Five. Yeah, countdown. This is good. Four. Um. Three. Two. 
one. Buddha. <laughs> Buddha. Yeah. Oh yeah, is Buddha like a real person? I thought Siddhartha Buddha was... was a king of. He was actually Indian king, and he's okay. like, listen, I don't want to live this life, and I don't want to be this. He went in the forest and just meditated, went inward. Okay, so Buddha isn't like Buddha isn't Buddha's Siddhartha. Siddhartha, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. The Buddha. Thanks for clearing that up. Um, not the Dalai Lama. And I'm curious, bro, what are you most grateful for in this moment? <sighs> I'm grateful, number one, that. Um, I can afford and have the availability to travel um, basically seven countries over, going from California to Florida. Yeah, for reals. Yeah, people forget that you're basically an immigrant if you can go that far that quickly. The rest of the world, if you move that fast, that's insane to move that fast and change those different cultures because the world's different even in our own country. Um, I'm grateful that I have uh, an incredible family that I, I can come back to here. I can see, I can visit, and they probably love me more than I love myself because I'm more of a hard ass. It's not usually vice versa. You need your family to love you. Like, they, they probably love me no matter what. Um, I need to love myself more. Um, so I'm grateful to have those people. I talk with them every day. Never understood why people aren't that close with their siblings. Mm. These people were your best friends growing up. And a lot of people I hear, like, I, I talk to them once a month, maybe once a year. I'm like... What? Yeah, That's your bro. tribe. You know what would change that is if something terrible happened to that person and they're fucking sick in the hospital and then, oh, then you're going to feel like shit. You're going to feel like guilty. Like, oh, oh yeah. Wow. It's, I, I think, I mean, I, I think a big reason for that is because we have these childhood traumas. Maybe it was something that happened where we felt like unloved or neglected and we hold resentment because when we're in that situation, we don't really know how to handle it. So we hold on to it. And then we still are carrying this 11 year old version of ourself when we're in our thirties and our forties. And it's like a bunch of grown adults, but we're still fucking children. <laughs> and that's why we have to do that work on ourselves to constantly assess and understand like, okay, that was a story I told myself. Yeah, my parents got divorced when I was six, but I wasn't the reason for their divorce. I'm still lovable, right? And that's not how all relationships end. There's actually potential for real love, but that just was a situation that didn't work out. And as a six-year-old, you might start telling yourself stories that counter that. Like, I am the reason for that. I am not lovable. I'm not worthy of love. And then that's gonna manifest into some questionable behavior and thought patterns and future relationships. So yeah, I think just identifying those, those core in, in, in like in Western medicine, we don't identify the, uh, the root cause, right? Mm -hmm. So it takes looking back and sometimes, we treats. We sometimes, don't. sometimes it's a, yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's a plant medicine that'll help us get that new perspective and that, deeper consciousness or maybe it's breath work or maybe it's going to a transform transformational training like gratitude which i would love for you to do i think it's so powerful anyways shout out gratitude training shout out gratitude i got Stone. one more thing to be grateful for yeah what is it i think being an american is especially when you've traveled and you you've seen places you've been mugged you've been beat up you know you you've seen people sick and dying and it's like you know you get to live in a place where the amount of opportunity and choice is like just astronomical and just incredible. And it's like, 
think it's a lot for people here to really, you know, take a step back and to be grateful for. Mm. And I'm so happy that, <laughs> to live in this country. And when I get to go to these places, like I know I get to come home to this country mm. and to be here and, you know, can go to the hospital and get my kidney surgery here with the best doctors in the world and have Obamacare to make sure I, my, my, I have Medicare to help myself and pay for that. And, you know, just to have the opportunity to do the things that I want to do every day. Not everybody gets to live these lives we get to live. Hell yeah, bro. Freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. America, we love you. We love you, America. Big fans, big fans. And Mr. Brandon Reese, I want to acknowledge you. Uh -oh. I want to acknowledge you for sharing your gifts with the world. And I know sometimes, some days, it might seem like it's not worth getting up. Some days might be a struggle. Some days it might be, why am I doing this? But I want you to know and acknowledge you that you are making a huge impact in the world. You've made a huge impact in my life. You've inspired me in such a big way. Traveling, nutrition, sports, podcasts, like literally full circle, you've helped me realize that I have so much more to give and that I have so much more to do and I'm capable of so much more than I initially thought. So thank you so much for pushing me to be the best version of myself and for doing that for so many people and for being here today, brother. I, I love you. I appreciate your friendship so much. Thank you, man. It's even hard for me to listen and take those things in, but I'm accepting of all the beautiful things you said about me. So thank you. It means a lot. And I'm just happy I can be able to push you and help people strive to to be their best versions of themselves. Mm, Unique yeah. perspectives of the human experience. You're living one and you're showing people that same light, what they can touch and what they can reach. Hell yeah, What's it's all about. Yeah, dude. I want to finish up and give you an opportunity. I'm sure people are going to want to connect with you after this. Where can they find you and where can they connect with you? You can connect with me everywhere. I'm everywhere. Like God... I'm all over the place. There's a place of me. There's a piece of me here. There's a piece of me there. You can connect with it. You can touch it. You can feel it. I'm there. There's my own show. There's the bus driver experience. And that's a podcast. It's on all the podcast apps. And again, I'm talking with porn stars. I'm talking with Olympic boxers. I'm talking with professional athletes. And I'm going out. And because talking with them is not enough, I'm living their experience. So I have a YouTube channel. And I have a TV show where I go out and go out and exchange and tell these stories of all these incredible people. And that's going to be on YouTube. And again, that's the bus driver experience. And I also produce shows. If you're interested in learning about a podcast, if you don't want to initially work with me, I have a podcast course. I'm going to make sure I send that over to Jeremy so he can share that. Sign up for that course. There's going to be videos, how-tos, calls with me and my associate to learn how you can get into this space and how you can really build a genuine show to tap into a business you already have or a business and an audience you want to create. Mm. Um, and yeah, guys, just get out there and just, again, we're all going to die. Live your best experience. Go touch somebody, go jump off a bridge, go, go do something, go enjoy whatever it is you want to enjoy this life and this experience with. Okay. I love everything you said. I just want to throw in a little clearance and waiver. I do not, um, support just random touching of other strangers. I do think it's a beautiful thing, but I am not promoting it. And I'm not promoting jumping off bridges, uh, of course, <laughs> of course. You never jumped off a bridge. Jumping off bridges are great. I'm going to jump off a There's bridge. There's a bungee cord or it's a bridge that's not too high. There's water underneath. 
And and uh, and yeah, guys, so many of you have actually expressed interest in creating your own podcast. But of course, these self-limiting beliefs pop up and we start to self-sabotage by, oh my God, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I get started? How do I get it on iTunes, right? It's really not that hard. I started from a fucking closet with GarageBand and a $20 mic from Amazon and Brandon's help. Brandon helped me get started with this journey. He can help you get started with yours. Seriously, this is the most powerful way to communicate with the masses. Get your message out to the people that you want to hear it because your message, your voice is so, so powerful. And you already know what time it is, baby. It's time to get your ass on the bus and stand up to sitting.